tonight, um, you know, John Wheeler is my uh, is my guest, uh, my great friend. I get that from his podcast, right? But uh, John's the CEO of um, of of Alpha um, Aesthetic Partners, and um, he's got a fascinating story, which is uh, Alpha was just filed for their LLC for the very first time less than a, a year ago, February twenty second. It was a it was a Tuesday after the Thursday that you and I met, and and we first met. Um, we first had met in a meeting and John also now is a host of his great friends podcast, which has taken off. He's a national speaker, uh, widely respected in the industry. And, and as I've gotten to know you as a friend and as a person, I got to tell you, John, I, I, I'm really impressed with your leadership skills and, um, and your genuine, you know, you genuinely care and people about people and that, you know, I'm a leadership geek, right? I've read everything out there. Um, so I have been so impressed with not what you've done with Alpha, just with Alpha. But I got to tell you, just take this as a compliment. I ran into the senior executives of Allergan um, a couple weeks ago, and one of them said to me, "I am so glad you're you're working with Alpha. They they are the name on the street right now. So that's pretty cool, knowing that you um and and I know there are a couple of colleagues of mine who are who are not happy and and they're um." You know, and the and the platform started two or three years ago, and they're struggling. They feel like they have no control. It's a different place. You know, all that sort of stuff. So, what I want to ask you, um, because I find this fascinating. I mean, I know your you know your story. You went to seminary school, right? For how long? How long were you there? Yeah. So I did uh, seminary. It took three years. Um, so from 2012 to 2015, I was in seminary. I did my, I did my MDiv. And then before that, I did my bachelor's in theology, and that was 2005 to 2009. So seven years of uh, undergrad and graduate school uh, studies in theology. Yeah. So I know you and I have spoken about this, and I know you're a big fan of John Maxwell. And and, and, and I still remember this from the very first time I read his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, about him talking about you want to see some of the best leaders in this country, you know, look at some of the big biggest churches and organizations. And so when you when you see true leadership, it stands out. And, you know, we throw that around in business all the time, you know, great leaders, great leaders, but the true Ed Bastian type leaders, the people who take a company that was last in the industry in 2011 and, you know, 10, 11, and are brought on as CEO and, and change the way 80,000 people feel, that blows my mind. And, and so I have become somewhat of a leadership geek. I've also been somewhat of a, my whole life, I've kind of had an entrepreneurial gene. And this is what I find fascinating and I want to ask you about. You, you are clearly, you have great entrepreneurial skills. Um, you, what you've done in the last year with Alpha um, is really impressive. But like, and I know you read a lot of the same books I do, you know, on, on business and, um, you know, we can talk about all those, you know, all Jim Collins work, but like, when did that, when did that flip switch? Like, for, cause I knew you had a wedding business, right. And you sold your wedding business. Why, you know, how come you left the seminary, you know, seminary school decided to start a business. And then my next question is like, I mean, I, I know your father-in-law was having some struggles. Is that why you sold the business? But like, when did the entrepreneurial gene, because I that to me is like so deeply wired. When did that switch flip and how did you do so well with it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. There's, you know, obviously a lot there. But for me, you know, my dad, my biological dad was an entrepreneur. 
Um, he had a big logging company. He was the president of the International Arabian Horse Association. Um, I mean, he had a lot of other businesses and endeavors in his life. And so I think there was just something at this deep level uh, that was always under the surface. I remember actually the the school project that I was the most excited about for all of you know elementary, middle school, high school was in uh, freshman year of high school at Red Bluff High. They assigned to us to create a theme park and to like market the theme park, choose a name for the theme park, create like a brand around it. And it's one of those projects. I don't know if you ever had any of those, Ed, but where, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I could have gotten a fine grade by spending like three hours on the project, but I spent like, you know, I don't know, 30 hours on the project just because it was so enjoyable to me to build this brand and think through building a, an amusement park um, as a 14 year old. And then, yeah, you know, fast forward to I had just gotten married trying to provide for my wife. Uh, first time in my life, I had applied for a lot of different jobs and not gotten a job. Uh, so every job in my life that I interviewed, that I had interviewed for before that, I had gotten. This was the first time where I was just applying to all these jobs. I couldn't get anything. So I just realized, hey, if I'm going to provide for my wife, I have to start a business. And, you know, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I started that wedding company, fell in love with the business uh, side of, of that business. And, you know, the rest is history. And um, I just really made an effort to be self-taught and to learn as much as I possibly could. Even to this day, um, my grandmother instilled that in me to always be learning, always be growing. If I was doing the dishes, if I was driving, if I was doing anything at all, I had a business or a leadership podcast on just trying to grow um, at any moment, right? Uh, and so, you know, all of those decisions to listen to podcasts or read these books, they compound over time. And Again, I'm, I'm definitely not the smartest person in the world. Um, if I had to attribute a superpower to any success I've had, it would just be that I can read a book and I can remember it and I can execute on it. Um, and so I think that for me is, that's the secret sauce is I'll read it, I'll read a book and I'll be like, all right, and I have almost all of it implemented in pretty short order. Mm -hmm. um, so that that to me would be, you know, something I would attribute a lot of success to. And then with the med spa moving back home, you know, it wasn't that my father-in-law was struggling at all. Um, he was just starting this new med spa in a new city. And uh, he was leaving the hospital with all the red tape, all the bureaucracy and looking to start a med spa and just wanted me to help with marketing. And that's something actually at the Alpha, um, you know, support services organization, we have this core value uh, and it says care the most. And that's something else I would attribute, again, any success I've had to is I care the most. I just really care. If I'm doing something, I really care. I treat it like it's my own, even if it's not. And, um, yeah, so I did that. And But there's, you know, a personal, there's a personal connection, too, because if you go through any of these workshops, which I'm sure you have because I have two leadership workshops, the, the, most, the most important thing, you know, the best leaders in the world, really care about people. They really care. And they genuinely do. No, yeah. I mean, I really do care about people. And I, I really, you know, I mean that. Um, and I try to optimize for that. You know, you think about most businesses, the way most companies optimize their workflow or their priorities is shareholders, the customer, and their team, right? And for me, it's the opposite, actually. It's like, I know that if I focus on our team and our people, 
right? Our team and our people are going to treat our clients, our patients, right? They're going to treat them the right way. And that's going to result in more retention and more revenue. And that's going to make our shareholders happy, right? And so, again, I think that the yeah. waterfall, the team. I mean, that's a, that's a play right out of Herb Keller's book, right? We take care of our people, so they take care of you kind of thing. And and, and that is one one nice advantage of being in a private equity situation versus publicly traded because you have no choice. Shareholders, whether people want to believe it or not, right? Shareholders still have to end up, you know, having a lot of control um, over things. So do, let me ask you something. Do you think, so your dad was somewhat of an entrepreneur. Do you think that's something that's hardwired? Do you think it's something you can learn? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts? I, I have of my three... I would say probably 50 to 60% of my genes were passed on to my kids. You know, some, I think that it's, and I'm, I'm part of a, an organization, EO, entrepreneur organization, and, and I've been for 15 years. Um, but I see, I see these traits in families. Do you think it's something that's genetic? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I have a pretty staunch view on that, actually. I think that a lot of us, we spend time with counselors or life coaches or whatever, and a common question in some of those situations, and I, again, I've been a counselor as a pastor, right? I'm trained mm -hmm. in counseling. Um, a common question would be, you know, for me, I'm, I'm super competitive. Like I, I want to win in everything yep. I do. Like, I don't just want to win. I want to like destroy my competition. And, you know, a counselor might ask like, well, did you not get attention from your parents unless you won? Right. That'd be a common question. That somebody like me would get asked. And I, to your point, I feel like a lot of our personalities actually know it's kind of just hardwired in me. Like I had a great upbringing. I, I had great parents, uh, but it's just, it's just a part of my DNA, yeah. you know? And I think a lot of our psyche and you know, what makes us up is that it's like a lot of it's just who we are and we're learning to sort all of that out. It's not because a lot of these traits, you know, not because our parents, you know, treated us a certain way. It's just who we are. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just me. Yeah, so, so you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I got to tell you the same thing. I mean, I had a wonderful up upbringing. I have no, I don't have any, like, things I feel like, you know, I had a great upbringing, but I am fiercely competitive as well. And it's, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I, I really, uh, in fact, I embrace it. And um, so, you know, Simon Sinek, anyway, my, my partner gave it to me. And he said to me, talk about, you know, you know, winning, he goes, you know, so he sent me this book, like, it's not about the win. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> because, yeah, and and I like fine. to hang out with, one of the things that's really cool with you guys, is I like hanging out with people who want to win. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I, th no. you know, to be with you, Ed, my wife and I, that's, you know, the most recent conversations that we have that are just big, weighty conversations have a lot more to do with let's deconstruct who we are and our weaknesses and let's just give each other permission to be who we are and celebrate that and just say, Hey, a lot of these things, I might not resonate with them. Like they might not be endemic in me, but they're yeah. hardwired. In you. So I'm going to celebrate them in you. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a funny question and timely question that you're asking for me personally. So I just, I find it fascinating. I, I find people fascinating. I find, I find entrepreneurs fascinating. I mean, I'm at a point in my life I don't need to work. I get more jacked up about like this project we're working on now 
then and 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 that's what keeps us going, right? Isn't isn't it what keeps us going? Like I don't see myself on a golf course three or four days a week. I get I have to have something that I'm you know a project or something I'm I'm going after. So I know you you had incredible success with you know helping your father-in-law grow his med spa, and, and I think you have you have amazing aptitude in 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 the marketing, which really helps. One thing that you know they, when they say the three things, right? You need aptitude, you need the right attitude, and you need action. And you know one thing I think the successful entrepreneurs do is they they are not short of action. And sometimes, you know, my wife accuses me of like living in my wake because, you know, I got to get stuff done. Um, but and I think that's why some of your success. So you had this amazing success with your father-in-law into, you know, Mark, Mark Young, who don't know the first thing about, you know, and actually I find this very similar because Dana Fender went through the same thing in 2014, 15. He knew what he had to do, but he didn't know how to do it. So you run into Mark, you know, Young. How did you know that the guys you're going to be working with are, are are the guys? How did you know that that they? Because let's face it, PE has a bad rap out there on the street because not every PE is Thurston. Um, you know, I know you cover some of this in your podcast with Josh, but how did you know, like the, these guys are the guys? How did you know that? Yeah, um, you know. I was trying to figure out what was next. I started to read the the writing on the wall in our industry. I actually had a conversation with somebody who um, has been a friend over the years, Aubrey Rankin, who created um, uh, HintMD. And he was just telling me, hey, this is where things are going. Uh, if I was you, this is what I'd be looking at. And so that really started me down this road of talking to a ton of different groups. And, you know, for me, I didn't, actually even I hadn't really heard about private equity much. Um, I always thought that we were building a aesthetic center to sell to a strategic buyer, like a massage envy yeah. or a European wax center, like they would want to get into med spa. Uh, so again, I just hadn't really heard of private equity much. So I started just reaching out to a ton of different groups, to a ton of our competitors at Alpha as well. And again, just had a lot of conversations. And I took every conversation as far as I could possibly take it. And at the end, it was just a pretty easy decision that Thurston was an amazing group to work with. They have a great track record. And a lot of it, you know, you mentioned Mark, his recommendation, and, and he is, he lives in El Dorado Hills. His wife knows a ton of people on our team. She's an influencer of ours. Some of our, you know, cherished longtime injectors delivered her babies in the hospital, things like that. So it's just it's a lot of trust there is a big decision. And for Mark to say, hey, I was an endodontist. I partnered with Thurston at US Endo. This was the best decision I've ever made in my life outside of marrying my wife. Um, that carried a lot of weight as well. So there was a lot of factors and that was, that was a huge part of it. And you know, a year plus later, it's proven to be a good decision and really happy with the partnership, what we're building here. Yeah, no, I, I, I am so. It's funny because there's a there's a point in working in a partnership, and you know, you and I are you know equity partners in this project. Yeah, there's there's a part where it's still like a marriage. It's a there is a leap of faith. You agree at some point? Absolutely. I mean, you have to here here you rolled your father in law's practice into into Alpha, so you're betting the farm. Yeah. And him and I, you know, we had an MSO that we co-owned. Um, so it was a big decision. 
yeah, for, it's huge. for, for both of us. And it's his whole career, right? It was his whole career. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But so I think yeah, when, you, when you know, when you know, you know, um, and I know, I know that you know what I mean by that. You can just get a sense of these people are the real deal. This track record's the real deal. And I feel like once in a lifetime, a lot of us get these opportunities to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And I feel like I was, I feel like you are, and I feel like our whole alpha team today, like we're doing the right thing. At the right yeah. I told my wife, you know, when, when I finally made that decision, I said, I finally feel like all those years at the podium, all the relationships I've, they're all, it's just, and all the homework that I had done, I'm trying to understand the industry and where it was going. It was all just coming together. And I remember when you guys all came, you know, all, I was so impressed with the whole team just showed up. And I remember sitting there across the table from Dana Fender and he looked me right in the eye and says, this is going to change your life. I'm telling you right now. And I believed him, you know, and I, I, I knew, like you said, I knew it was right. I'm like, I came away from that meeting and that's why it didn't take me a long time. I had a lot of things I had to work out first, but, um, yeah. I mean, so how long have you been attending? Because, you know, you're kind of a household name in the aesthetic space now. You've been only, you know, you've only been at this for, I say that because I'm an old dog. I've been, you know, at this for 33 <laughs> years. But how did you, you know, start speaking at the meetings? What was it that kind of got you doing that? You didn't know this chapter was going to open. So this wasn't the end goal when I started speaking. I just really love people. And I, to be honest with you, when I was a pastor, you know, my, my church in Sacramento was 2,000 members. Um, every single week on Wednesday, we'd have a program called Rad Wednesdays. Uh, I worked at a, a Seventh-day Adventist high school called Sacramento Adventist Academy. There's about 110 high schoolers there when I was there. We would have 130, 140 uh, high schoolers come every Wednesday. So literally every kid in the school plus 30 to 40 um, public schoolers would come every Wednesday. And so there was just this part of speaking and having influence and having impact that I really missed. And so a lot of that speaking was just that. And the other part of it too was I started to talk about some of the things we're doing at Aesthetic Center. And, and you know, we had grown Aesthetic Center in just a few years time to, uh, you know, a pretty sizable business, multiple locations, 15 million in revenue. And people started to lean in when I would share how we were doing what we we're doing well, yeah. you can't argue with it. I mean, let's face it, right? Yeah. Whether you like whether you like Mahomes or not, okay? Whether you like Tom Brady or not, it's hard to argue with success. Yeah. And so I was just sharing that. And I think that, you know, the content combined with uh, – I've, I've been speaking publicly since I was a kid. You know, I, I just have a lot of experience doing that. And I used to – you know, it's funny. People are – they ask me a lot, how do I get started in public speaking? And I was like – just start. Like you, the answer was in your question. And so for me, I had a, after that big, um, you know, high school movement I mentioned, I went and started a middle school ministry in a tiny town in Michigan. And I would speak to two, three, four kids sometimes, like a, a room of three kids. And I would treat it the same as if I was speaking to 120. And I would do that a couple times a week. And so it's just really just starting. So, right. So it, it was the content it was the way it was delivered. And then it kind of just set the stage for, you know, where we're at today, which is getting to speak all over the world uh, to a lot of different people. And it's, it's fun, man. Like it's just an opportunity that God's created. That's just enjoyable every day. It's fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my my question uh, my question was like, how as this this has grown pretty you know pretty quickly, and and what's so impressive is how disciplined you have been. And that that got my attention, you know, uh, because uh, this in order for this to 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 continue to grow and add value, you have to be disciplined. So uh, you've had incredible success, but let's go back to March. How was your job different then compared to how it is in early 2024? How has the job changed as CEO? I mean, I will tell you that. So me and my natural habitat, I'm a brand builder. I'm a culture builder. And this has been something that I've had to dive headfirst into the financials, into KPIs in a way that's, 100x deeper like I, I thought i was doing pretty well when we had ec with just knowing the few kpis i mean this is just this is the big leagues right and so a par- part of it too is uh, how my job's different is we we had a great team at aesthetic center i loved our team dearly um, now we have this nationwide team and that's been a new experience too getting to work with a coo who was uh, essentially the coo at loves travel stops right this yeah. massive company getting to work with a CFO who was the CFO at Ruby Tuesdays and left Ruby Tuesdays to join us at Alpha and a CHRO that was CHRO at Forever 21 and mm-hmm. World Market. It's like the, this team, it's like this super team. And the other part of it too is my job's a lot different getting to talk with people like you every day, right? Of just, I, I'm all over the country all the time working with our amazing partners. And it's, you know, it's just every everything is so different. But it's so fun and every day is entirely different than the day before. I used to remember um, when I had Aesthetic Center, I had a, before we built this administrative office, I had an eight by eight uh, office with no windows. And I didn't know if it was day or night. It might've been, you know, 9 p.m. It might've been 11 a.m. I I didn't know because I didn't have any sunlight coming in. And I would spend 50, 60 hours a week in that eight by eight office. Sometimes a rep would invite me out to lunch and just felt like a nice way to break my day up and, you know, build a little bit of variability into my day. And now it's like, I kind of laugh at at those days a little bit because like, you know, last week I was in Dallas on Tuesday and then Oregon on Wednesday and, you know, different state Thursday. It's just like every day's crazy, but um, it's, it's a joy. What's the best part of your job right now? as you've put this together? The best part of my job right now is, you know, there's a lot of resources that come with being private equity backed. Uh, There's a lot of just ability to play jazz and to create and to build a great team and, you know, to plug into a world-class finance team and spend the day with them in Dallas and have amazing meetings. And then the next day to come home and work with our marketing team and, you know, build stuff that's inspiring and, you know, it's just constantly, you know, flowing through these different departments. And then also working with a team that we've been able to give equity to a lot of our team, to a lot of the people at the clinical level, to providers, to administrators. And so having that alignment, that's been part of the power of Alpha, is working with all of these people who are so aligned, seeing so many of the people at Aesthetic Center and all of our other partners have injectors and other key people that are aligned, you know, that that's a, one of the most fun parts too, is working with our team. And it's like, Hey, we're all owners here. Like, let's figure this out. 
and well, everybody's got an owner's mentality, and that's really fun too. And and I think that's I think that's going to be one of the differentiating uh, factors and successes of of Alpha Aesthetic Partners, um, because uh, as you know, I was so concerned about my people. I was from day one. That was my number one concern. I, I worked so hard to build this team. What I get excited about is is one of the things that you said. It's just you know the talent. That, I mean, the people you've put together on this team, it's kind of cool. I mean, I spent, you know, a couple hours talking to Gary. I mean, it's exciting. It's refreshing to, because, you know, we were small enough. I, I never had the, you know, I, I had a couple of buddies who were, you know, CEOs of publicly traded companies. I get to know his, his executive team. And I'm like, oh God, it must be really cool to work with these really smart people, like really smart and driven people. Um, and that's what you're, you know, how did you get, how did you, and I'm obviously I'm sure, you know, some of the guys, you know, guys that like obviously the contacts of Thurston, they, they, they know some, some talent, but how did you assemble this team? Cause I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm really impressed with the people we have on board. Yeah. So when you're hiring for an executive team in the way that, you know, we do at alpha, it's definitely not like a LinkedIn post or, you know, typically, you know, none of us have a network big enough to, yeah land this type of talent and run a process with this many kids. So uh, we work with a recruiter. So we have a recruiter that we're very close with. He does all of our executive positions. And so I call him up when it's time to hire and I just tell him, hey, it's time to run a process role. And then he has a massive Rolodex. He's on LinkedIn, you know, eight hours a day, just messaging people. And then he'll put together a deck for me. Uh, that's that's the second part after I make that call. It takes about a week or two. He'll put together a deck of 20 or 30 candidates. Uh, and then I'll have them take our culture index survey to make sure they're a good fit for the role. And then I'll interview you know, the top 10 to 15 from the deck on a Zoom. And then our executive team will interview them as well. But yeah, it's all through through a recruiter, an executive recruiter. Yeah. Now it's, uh, it, like I said, I, I, I'm so impressed with the team we have in place. And you know, you guys all came to visit us. And my team's more pumped than, you know, it's, uh, I, and I think that was a big, that's always a big worry, right? How, how is, how are things going to be perceived? My, my team sees the benefit and, and our young doctors see the benefit too, which is even, you know, from HR to marketing to those sorts of things that we were doing at a much smaller level. So let me ask you something, you know, you, you're, you approach someone with a, a nice size med spa, you approach to say they're doing whatever the numbers and we know what the sweet spot is. How do you explain to them what you're, you know, what, what, what you're trying to do? How do you explain to them? Let's face it, you know, not all PEs the same, right? I mean, one thing I learned is how naive positions are, how naive people are looking to quote, sell, roll. And how do you explain what, what is it? What is it that differentiates Alpha? What is it that differentiates? Because I think the two key pieces are you've got to love the team and you've got to love the PE firm behind it. What differentiates Alpha? What What are you doing that's so different, and why do you think? I mean, we know that Alpha's already, you know, um, passed a few people in in revenue, even being as disciplined as you are. What makes it? What makes Alpha different? Yeah, it's a great question. So I would go back to a couple things. Number one would be our mission statement. So our mission statement is to advance the medical aesthetics industry through best in class partner support and clinical training. So when you think about alpha, it really starts there, right? Support and training. And so we talk about the support we're gonna give, right? Like the back office, 
functionalities that our team takes on finance, payroll, HR, legal. Um, and so there's also a lot of support around just thought partnership and helping you make some of these big clinical decisions. And, um, you know, our ops team is incredible. So we're surrounding our partners and I'm sure you're start, you're about to start seeing this. Um, it takes a little while to pass uh, a new partner from integrations to ops. But our ops team, you know, these are industry veterans that have decades of industry experience. So it really is a true partnership in that support uh, from that support standpoint. And then the clinical training, we're building that right now, Alpha Academy. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really those two things, clinical training and support. And then you, I also think about our purpose statement, right, which is to make medical spa ownership simpler and more collaborative so our partners can focus on their patients or our partners can uh, focus on providing a better patient experience. And so that's a part of it too, right? For you, we wanna make it simple. We wanna make it collaborative. Uh, And then the last thing I'll say too is, I think about our core values, right? Which the, the first of which is partner obsession. So we are obsessed with our partners having a great experience, absolutely obsessed with it. And you've seen this, you and I have, you know, monthly meetings. I meet with all of our partners every month. It's, it's an obsession for us. So we don't ask ourselves, what's the least amount of work I can do to make Ed happy? We say, what's the most I can do for Ed and his team? How can I deliver it an 11 out of 10? And so those are, the, yeah, to answer your question a long way, that's, that's how we think about the alpha difference. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I see it, I feel it. Um, I know there's different experiences out there. And, and I really believe, I think I told you, you know, I think that a lot of physicians I know who are in our specialty fields are very naive to this whole process. Um, this isn't something you can kind of do on the back of a napkin. And um, I see people that, you know, they, I call them the spread, smart spreadsheet, Harvard kids, you know, uh, putting this together and uh, trying to run it up a pole. There is, uh, you know, equally as important as the, is the, the PE, PE firm, PE backing that you have. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, you look at what Thurston does on a regular basis. There's a lot of decisions. So I've run a med spa successfully, right? Um, I will tell you, if we didn't have Thurston in the background making all the decisions that they make, you know, keeping us disciplined in a lot of ways, just having these conversations, figuring out how much leverage we're going to use on these transactions or you know, a host of other decisions um, that we're all a part of, but they obviously have a, a major voice in the room on. I don't know how some of these people do it. That have- I agree. I mean, it, you know, even just fluctuations in interest rate and how much you're levered yeah. and how much equity you're going to give up. I mean, that's something that you can't just, I, yeah, you go through HBS or you go through one of these schools and you learn all that, but having the experience to know, having been through an economy where things are changing and not want to get caught with your pants down around your ankles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you're talking about changing economy. I can't imagine not having a partner that's as connected as Thurston is because M&A, mergers and acquisition, and this MSO, physician practice management model, I mean, these are changing pretty considerably. And again, if you don't have a partner that's connected in the investment community and, and can look out on the horizon, you know, what's happening, what's changing, Let's adjust accordingly. Again, 
I don't, I don't know how you would do this successfully. So we're very, very blessed to have Thurston as our. But this backup. is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. What I, I see how, I, you know, I researched the heck out of this. I really and, and and the timing just things lined up for me. Okay, but I I can tell you how many I talked to so many people that do, have not researched. They don't know where the funds are coming from. You know, and or, you know. Um, and, and one of the things you said, I mean, I, I received a call, you know, just from Noah and, and, and Dana, um, just wanting how things are going. Mm. That's impressive, right? That, that, you know, the PE firm is calling to just say, hey, how are things going? I wonder how you feel about the whole thing. That's impressive. But that's the full circle thing on it, right? Yeah. So let me ask you. So I get, I get this, I get this, like people saying to me, I said, look guys, this is where the industry's going. Okay. And and just like Josh said on your on your podcast, PE is not a bad word. I mean, um there's there's a huge economy of scale on the resource side as well as, you know, and this is going to happen. You know, what do you say to the guy or woman who says, you know, John, I think what you're saying what you're saying to me is great. Okay. I can continue to just do this. I got my multiple. I can do whatever. I can still make that back in two, three, four years. Um, and by the way, you know, uh, if I'm in two years from now and equity sells or monetizes, whatever, you know, it's it's all going to change. I think one of the things that one of the big successes that Smile Doctors has had is they still have had the clinicians close to the decisions. Do you agree? Disagree? I mean, what? How do you give assurance to the, to the, to the person who's running a, you know, physician running a med spa, whatever, that all of a sudden one day he's going to wake up and things aren't going to be so different? Because equity is equity. Once it's owned, it's owned, right? Right. Yeah. You know, I think it goes back to doing your diligence, doing your research, right? So talking with other partners, getting on our website, calling any partner that we have, asking them, what's your experience? with alpha been like, have they made these major changes to your practice? Now, I will say that anybody who tells you, Ed, nothing's going to change. We're going to write you a really, we're going to write you a really big and nothing's going to change. That's, that's never true. That's never going to be true. Uh, I, I would in terms of if you wrote a really large check to somebody to buy their business, or to partner with them at, at some level, right? Or to buy a portion of their business, what expectations would you have of that person, right? And of that business? Of course. Well, you, you'd probably want to talk with them on a pretty regular basis yeah. <laughs> to find out how the business is doing. You'd want to be able to, hey, here's the numbers. Here's how we're performing. What are we doing about it? How can we course correct, you know, mid month? These are all fair expectations. Um, but you know, I think that it's all reasonable. And that's where I think when you when you approach a partnership by asking that question, okay, what would I expect? Okay, well, then this will probably be expected of me. You know, these all seem like reasonable things. And the people that are talking to me, they seem like good people. They have a track record or history of being reasonable, of being good partners. Um, all of these are very important. They also have a track record of successful equity events or turning their equity into, you know, a realized value down the road that's incredibly valuable. There's also things you can look at too, like, are they playing games with the equity? 
do the private equity guys have a different type of share than they're offering me? Right. That and also that's a, probably that's a really important point right there that you just made. Yeah. You know, you talked in in the podcast. Well, actually, this wasn't brought up in the podcast, but I, you know, I have an investment banker I work with, and you know, as there there are a lot of PE firms that I don't want to say play games, but they you the the firm has a different equity structure than than other people, and that's not the case at all in, in Alpha. Um, right. Right. I mean, everyone, everyone's got the same, you know, got the same um, stock. There was one other question I was going to ask you about that, um, because these are the things these are the things that people, you know, they they worry about. Right. I mean, they worry about all of a sudden, all of a sudden someone can buy my med spa and then I'm I'm out. One of the things I think is so um, exciting about this effort done correctly is and I know I've told you this before. I've been going to Randy's meetings for almost, you know. That was George Brennan's meeting back 30 years ago, right? But I think that there's a lot of people hold back their secrets. And what I am so excited about is working because I love to teach. I love to share. What, what I'm excited about is seeing people get together and have true, honest conversations about how can we do this better? How can we run this business better? How can we take care of our estheticians better? How can we you know, our, take care of our, our nurse injectors and, and quite frankly, run a better business? Um, Mm-hmm. That to me is 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 pretty exciting, and obviously you're putting together working on Alpha Academy, which I think is going to be critical for retaining um, the best, the very best injectors. I, the very best injectors want culture, they want compensation, and they and they want to feel like they're continuing to get training. And that I think is something that's going to differentiate uh, differentiate Alpha. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. And we're putting together a lot of the the best name trainers in the industry. Um, to drive a pretty incredible curriculum. So I'm, I'm really excited for that work. We'll have a lot more announcements on that. But yeah, I, you know, training is the heart of this whole thing. Yeah. This is one of the few medical specialties, the few medical industries that most of our workforce didn't go to school to learn, right? Obviously, plastic surgeons did, but, uh, you know, outside of plastics and derms, it's a lot of injectors who are learning this on the job. And so yeah. we got to have a strong training arm if we're going to level up the industry. Uh, no question. And I think that's another thing that gets me excited. I mean, you know, my generation, even guys 10, 15 years younger than me, work so hard to elevate what we're doing. And now you see people coming out of the woodwork who were working in the ER last year and all of a sudden they're passionate about highly trained, highly specialized. Uh, what is it? What exactly does that mean? And, and I think it, if we don't work hard to, to do this the right way, the consumer is going to lose trust. The patients are going to lose trust. Yeah. And so to me, this is part of, you know, what I envision as, uh, you know, what, what I'm passionate about seeing us be able to accomplish. Um, because I don't I agree. In, you, know, you, you, you may disagree with me, but I really, and I've said this before, I believe that 70 to 80% of these little mom and pop outfits out there, are, they're not going to be around. They can't survive. You know when they're doing, you know, three, you know, seven, seven fifty to one point two million. It's hard to make a profit margin there. And and so if you're a one two person shop and you don't have the economy of scale and you don't have the purchasing power, it's going to be really hard to to survive in this environment. And that's why I think the partnership is so attractive. I mean, disagree thoughts? Yeah, it, there's been a paradigm shift in aesthetics and. Obviously, it's hard to compete with some of these de novo big box chains, um, both for patients and for 
injectors. And I think that if some of these local, you know, small business med spas try to hold out and not join a group like Alpha, yeah, that could definitely be very difficult for them to compete, right? Because you're going to be competing with people that are getting their toxin for, you know, 25% less than you are. You're, mm-hmm. you're competing with people that can offer equity to providers, right? Or p- pay their providers more than maybe you can as a, as a local business. Uh, so there's just a lot of economies of scale that we're able to give to our partners that, you know, in addition to what you were already having to, to compete with, with these big box chains, now you're going to have to compete with our partners, right? Mm-hmm. And not having any type of backing, yeah, that's going to be pretty close to impossible for a lot of local med spas. Mm-hmm. So say uh, Alpha has an equity event in, you know, two more years or something like that. What about the, the med spa that says, look, well, I, I you know, at, that happens and why bother even get in? I mean, why, why, maybe, you know, the whole timing thing, people try to time this. As you know, there's no ideal timing. What are your thoughts? The timing is, yeah, the timing is to get in as early as you can. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, what's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the, the best time to plant a tree was 50 years ago. But the <laughs> second best time is today, right? Yeah. The second yeah, best yeah, yeah. time is uh, tomorrow morning, whatever it yeah. is. So it's like you get in when you can. Uh, for some people, like we talk to a lot of people out there like, John, I really like Alpha. I think this is so cool what you guys are doing. My business is just not at the point right now. And that I've heard that, I, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I hear it all the time. You know, hey, but hey, give me six months or give me nine months and I, I'd like to come back to the table. It's like, hey, great. Yeah, go build for six to nine months. That's totally cool. And then let's talk again then. Um, so, you know, I think that's part of the consideration as well is – what works for you to get in as early as possible according to the life stage of your business, right? And yep. some people are ready today. Others need some time. And that's that's okay. This isn't a rush thing, right? This isn't No, it's gonna be space. around. Yeah. It's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be around. I you know, I have to, I actually told my fellow finishing finishing today, I said, look or you know, this year I'm like, look, this isn't a bad thing. Okay. And there's going to be opportunities in two years and three years. And this may market as a consolidation may only mature to 20 or 25 or 30. It doesn't mean everyone else is not going to survive out there. It just, it's, it, I mean, I, that's just where it's likely to end up. I mean, dentistry, yeah. right? 25, 30% maybe now. Yeah, it is. It is. So, and, and you know, it's like if let's say you wait a year and instead of being able to, you know, let's say in, in over the course of 10 years, instead of 15Xing your money, you know, maybe you're able to 5X your money. That's still awesome, right? Oh, it's, it's still awesome. It's still awesome. What else, what else are you gonna do with that equity? Here's the other thing I've told people too, because I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have you know, concerns and objections. I'm like, look, we as surgeons are so vested in our career, okay? Look at it. Look at it as you still have your practice. You still have your career. Look at it as just moving your equity around and and diversifying it across the industry. Now exactly. that doesn't work. That doesn't work if you don't believe in your partner. That doesn't work. So one of the things I was very impressed with, uh, which I, I learned this early on, with and talking about discipline, and I want to hear your thoughts on why this is so important. I know in the past there have been potential partners 
that Alpha has walked away from. Um, why is that so important? Why is that, you know, someone who has a nice revenue stream and a nice EBITDA, and yet Alpha walks away from them? Why is that? So why is that so important for the success of the overall success of the platform? Yeah. You know, I do. I, I think of what we're doing at Alpha. I think about all of these partnership groups, whether it's Alpha or another group, a lot like a marriage, right? Or a lot like any partnership. And there, there's got to be a lot of things that have to be true if we're going to partner. Um, and that's why we're so disciplined, because this is a major life decision. I would argue, I mean, in some ways, it's easier to unspool a marriage than it is to unspool uh, a business partnership. And so, you know, from that standpoint, we, we got to have... Having, um, having been through both, I, <laughs> I can tell you, you're probably right. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously there's some things that have to be true financially of a prospective partner. Sure. Um, the, the, the quantitative aspects of the partnership, but then there's also a lot of qualitative aspects of the partnership, right? So do we enjoy working together? Is it a good synergistic relationship? Do you treat our team the right way? Um, these are all things that are really important because we're going to be spending a lot of time with each other. We're going to be interacting a lot and, I've just found, you know, bringing the wrong, the wrong person on board as a partner, it's not just going to make our life miserable, right? It's going to make our other partner's lives miserable, but it's also going to make that person's life miserable, right? If they're just not right. in a situation where they're set up to succeed and where they're, they're happy with the people that are around them. Uh, so it's really for everybody's sanity that we have to make sure it's a good fit. And so, yeah, we've, we walked away from people that weren't kind to our team, um, that just weren't a fit qualitatively, even though the numbers, you know, they were there. And that is another real experience piece that comes from, you know, working with a firm that's done this many, many times. Um, you know, a buddy of mine who, who uh, wrote, you know, did a like 17 acquisitions in tech and, and sold his company for over nine figures said to me when I was looking at, you know, buying med spas and I kicked a bunch of tires, he said to me, Ed, do not buy a fixer upper. And 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 and, and, he, and I was like, well, he goes, listen, all you need is one or two bad apples. And and it and it, it spoils the whole the whole the whole project. Which is the kind of what you're saying. If you have someone who's not part of your culture, they're 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 not kind to your team. Um, mm -hmm. you know, they're they've got an ego, you know, all those sorts of things. Um And by the way, it's the same at any level, right? So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> When we had aesthetic center uh, at the local level, you know, I would interview so many injectors that I would, after the interview, I would sit down and I'd say to myself, man, she would have made us so much money, but, but she would be so hard to work with and she would drive our whole team crazy and she would attract a ton of crazy patients and none of those problems, toxicity, just difficulty <laughs> enjoying the business when I'm there. Um, none of that is worth a little bit of extra money. It's just and not. every time and every time you let your guard down in that situation, as you know, uh, you know, in a much smaller level, um, it, it never, it never, it never works. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, you could take that further, right. Where, um, you as a surgeon or, you know, your injectors, you have a patient that, you know, they're going to be crazy. They're going to be hard to navigate and manage their expectations. 
and they would pay you a lot of money, right? Yeah, not worth it. Not worth the twenty grand well, for the yeah. Well, you see the gray hair I have. That's that's my that's my discipline to walk away. I have no problem walking away. It's it's not worth it. I always tell people I've got enough gray hair at this point that I'm not looking for unhappy patients. You know, it doesn't yep. make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel good. I know they're not feeling good, and it's also it's certainly not fair to my team. I'm so fascinated by where it's going. I'm uh, congratulations on all your success. Um, any last thoughts about you know what you're doing and and kind of summing up this year in the past? Yeah, I mean, we really are putting together a best-in-class network of aesthetics providers, and it's so fun. It's so rewarding to see the cross-pollination. And I know that you're spending time with Sarah Safa at her clinic, right? And just to see yeah. relationships like that start to bloom and all of the best-in-class, you know, best practices and all these things that are emerging through our partners. And it's just really fun. And it's fun to have partners. Um, I'll tell you, there's nothing like going to a medical aesthetics industry event and seeing partners, right? Maybe last year when you saw them, they were friends. Now they're partners. And it's just like, man, it hits different. It's really fun. And it's, it's a great business to join. It's a great place to park your equity. And it really is like taking your single stock, converting it into a mutual fund in the whole entire industry. And I don't know about you, but I'm very bullish on the aesthetics industry. I'm bullish on Thurston and their track record and seeing those two things coming together. It's a pretty special time to join Alpha. So, um, yeah, really. I can't really disagree with you. I mean, like I told you, I, I really, I do my research and it just, for me, the stars just aligned uh, and I couldn't be, couldn't be more pumped, couldn't be more excited. The industry is not going away. It's growing 15% per year in the non-surgical, and that's projected at least till 2030. And quite frankly, I think it's going to go beyond that, you know, considerably. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing 13, 14-year-olds that want to come in and talk, talk about skincare, which is, just blows my mind. So, mm -hmm. look, John, um, thanks so much for taking, you know, time out of your busy schedule to get on, uh, get on, the, you know, get on my podcast and just chat with me. I love doing this, too, just because I get to know people better, too, and you know what makes them tick, get to get to know, you know, uh, where they're going and certainly you, you and I get a chance to spend some time together. So thank you very much. My pleasure.